0: It's getting in the mindset that just because this didn't work out for you, it has nothing to do with your abilities. You, know, you shouldn't let it shake your confidence if they take it personally, even though it has nothing to do with their ability.
1: This is Chan with The Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Colleen, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Max, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Great. appreciate you coming on right before the holidays, just to give some uh, job seekers who are still like job searching during the holidays, some advice. And the reason why I wanted to bring you on was you made a post on LinkedIn about how to recover from getting a job offer rescinded. I understand like there are layoffs that happen, but I don't see that much about job offers getting rescinded until recently because of the recession. So before we dive into how to recover from getting your job offer rescinded? Is getting your job offer rescinded common?
0: Yeah, so I don't think it's super common. And let me say too, you know, there's different reasons why folks can get their job offers rescinded. You know, what I had posted about was, you know, Amazon was res- rescinding offers because they decided that they didn't need these folks anymore. But you can have your job offer rescinded if you don't pass the background check. You can have your job offer rescinded. Let's say you were supposed to graduate from college and you didn't finish. You know, I, I have a case I heard of, you know, several years back of someone who was offered an offer, was expected to graduate from college first and then failed English. And so had to like basically have the offer pulled. That's a different case. You know, those are cases where your offers rescinded because you didn't hold up to your end of the bargain. With the Amazon case recently, and and this happened with Twitter over the summer and Coinbase, you know, these folks did nothing wrong and the company decided, you know, sometimes it was the day that the people were supposed to start, decided that they didn't need them anymore. And so those are the cases that I'm seeing. Does it happen all that often? It feels like it's somewhat rare, but I I certainly am seeing more of it now, especially in the tech space.
1: Okay, so... When the job offer gets rescinded, is there anything the person can do about it? Can they say, oh, can you extend it a bit later if things recover? Like, what, what can someone do in terms of getting the job offer rescinded? Is there any way to, like, get the offer later or it's pretty much done and you have to move on?
0: Well, I think that that's a great question, Max. And so you can try to negotiate that and say, listen, you know, can I start in six months or can I start in a year? That's certainly something that you can do. You know, in these cases, Amazon was giving folks a month or two of salary, You know, Twitter was giving folks two to four months. I think Coinbase was giving about two months. So sometimes the company will give you, you your salary, understanding that you had expected to be getting paid and now you're not going to be. So you can certainly try to negotiate that, but companies don't have to really do anything. They don't have to, you know, give you a severance and they don't have to employ you within six months or a year, you know? So from that standpoint, you can certainly ask, but they don't have to necessarily give you anything.
1: Wow. So like, everybody talks about like moving jobs every few years to increase their salary, but many people don't talk about like, there's a chance that the offer might get rescinded, especially with this uh, economic climate. So besides getting the job offer rescinded, which you say it is rare. It really depends on the situation and what's going on right now. This is a rare situation. Um, That's
0: what it kind of feels like.
1: Yeah. So what other risks are there in taking a new job?
0: There's always risk, right? Like you could start the job and they could decide within a few weeks or a few months that they don't need you anymore. There's all sorts of things that can go wrong. You know, maybe they assign you to a spot that maybe you were supposed to go in product management and then they decide to move you into a different department. So there's always risk. And as you said, you know, job hopping has become so common lately. And the instance I saw on LinkedIn, the person had a great job at HP that they were happy with. But they were getting a raise at at Amazon. And so they were willing to take the move, literally had moving bands in front of their house ready to go. And then Amazon calls and says, Yeah, we don't need you anymore. So, you know, it's a tough place to find yourself in.
1: Is it possible for them to go back to their old job, even though they handed in their resignation? Or it's one of those things that it's too late now?
0: Well, that's a great question too, Max. And and I think if you left your company in a good way, which means you didn't burn bridges, you know, you were respectful, you did a good job while you were an employee, then then I think certainly it makes sense to go back to your old boss and say, listen, this is what happened to me. And I, I'd be happy to come back. But again, maybe they'll take you back and maybe they won't, you know, so that's really going to be up to their discretion. But If you were happy with your past employer, then maybe, you know, you could go back and talk with them. But again, that's going to be at their discretion.
1: Yeah, there's a risk for for their side too, right? It's kind of, it's similar to the counter offer where you've already uh, given them the job offer from another company. And then they're scared because then they have to fill something really quick. So then they'll do a counter offer, you end up staying. And then research has shown that people who take counter offers tend to not stay that long at the company afterwards. So there is a bit of risk in regards to the former employee taking you back. Have you had the experiences of working with your clients in regards to like where a job offer got rescinded or they took the counter offer and realized that yeah it may have been better option just to like find something else.
0: Yeah, so I personally none of my clients have had offers rescinded. For me, I typically advise my clients not to take the counter offer and stay with their current company. It's for all the reasons that you just talked about. You know, if you were serious about leaving and you were taking an offer with another company, it typically does not turn out well. Now, I have seen it happen where folks left their company, worked for the other company for six months or a year, and said, listen, I didn't like it. I saw what it was like on the other side. That old job was a better fit for me. Would you take me back? And that does work out OK in some instances because people have kind of gotten it out of their system, so to say. You know, they they tried the other company. They tried the other job they came back with different experience and maybe appreciated their old job a little bit more. So in those instances, I've seen it work out, but the counter offer thing to me, I've not seen that work out well.
1: Yeah, as you said, the grass isn't always greener, right? What you said, where like you jump ship and then you realize a few months later that this is not for you, let's see if I can like come back, right? Right. It goes back to what you said, as long as you don't burn bridges and have a good conversation, then there's a good chance that they will take you back, right?
0: Right, exactly. And, you know, sometimes it's out of your manager's control. Maybe, you know, they're on a hiring freeze and you're unlucky, but in some cases it does work out. So there's a lot of different factors at play. That's why even if you are really, really unhappy in your job, you really should never burn those bridges.
1: Absolutely. And in regards to, like, let's say you're lucky to get severance, there's still the issue of you don't have a job right now, and now your resume has that employment gap. So Let's say you got seven, so at least you got a few months, or even worst case, you get nothing and you're out of a job. What can someone do to address that employment gap so they are still seen as marketable? Because as you know, recruiters tend to prefer someone that's currently working compared to someone who's not.
0: Right. No, absolutely. So I recommend that folks put that both on their LinkedIn and their resume profile. So in these cases, I would tag Amazon and I would say, you know, targeted start date was December 2022. You know, offer was rescinded two weeks before start date, and so basically made it through. You know, an extensive hiring process, and really being offered a role at Amazon is really prestigious. And so you want to play that up. It's not your fault that the offer was rescinded, and so even though you're not getting paid and you never really formally work for the company, you know, certainly you want to put that on your LinkedIn profile and your resume so that recruiters know, hey, listen, this person you know was supposed to be working at Amazon had their offer pulled really through no fall of their own.
1: And then like once you do get the new job, that's more stable, then you would take it off the uh, LinkedIn and resume, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just there as a place gap, you know, while you're waiting to find something else and to let folks know that, you know, you had intended to go to Amazon, but it just didn't work out.
1: Have you known anybody that has uh, used this tactic and what were the results of it?
0: Yeah. So I know that folks have put that on LinkedIn and their resumes. I don't know how quickly they've been able to pick up jobs after that, but, you know, it certainly is something that folks are using in order to, you know, make sure that it's not seen as a, a gap. Cause again, it wasn't their fault. And it kind of explains, you know, I made it through this really tough hiring process. The offer was pulled.
1: Okay. And Addressing it in the interview. So let's say you are able to get an interview at a company with the resume based off what you add in terms of the job offer uh, getting rescinded. So when the recruiter or hiring manager asks you, "Okay, oh, tell me more about like what happened with the uh, job offer getting rescinded." How would someone address that in an interview question?
0: I mean, that's a great question too. I would be very open and honest, and you know, say basically, you know, just how you're addressing it in your LinkedIn and resume, and say you know, I made it through a really tough hiring process, you know, I don't hold anything against Amazon. I mean, you definitely don't want to trash talk, you know, because that doesn't reflect well upon yourself, but you know, just say, listen, I made it through this really tough hiring process and it didn't work out. And so I would be upfront though. I know that that was one question folks were asking on LinkedIn is, you know. Should I hide it? And it's nothing to hide, not in an interview, not in your resume, not in LinkedIn. It's something to be very upfront about because it's really nothing to be embarrassed about.
1: Yeah. And as you mentioned before, if you got a job offer at Amazon, even though it got rescinded due to no fault of your own, the Amazon hiring process is very intensive. And the fact that you passed all of that and got the job, that does speak volumes of your capabilities. Exactly. So... In regards to the job offer getting rescinded, is this a good time to look for work right now, especially in tech, where a lot of layoffs are currently happening? Or do you think that people should stay back in their current job if they're at least like content with it? Because, again, there is a lot of risk right now with uh, the uncertainty in the economic climate. So would you recommend someone who is like okay with their job right now just to weather the storm and stay put, or you think it's still a good time to move even with a higher risk of getting their offer rescinded due to the economic climate right now?
0: Yeah. So that's another great question, Max. Tech is such an odd space right now where, you know, certain pockets are hiring. I know I had a client that landed a job at TikTok recently, you know, so there are tech companies that are still hiring. The offer rescinded thing doesn't happen that often Should that fear keep you from, you know, looking at another job? I mean, it depends on your situation, right? So if you feel like this is a great opportunity for you and, you know, you feel fairly confident, then I can see taking the job, you know, but as you said, there's risk. And and it also depends on your situation. You know, if you are younger and single and you don't have kids, then maybe you look at it differently than a family with kids. You know, certainly depending on your situation, if you can afford to be without. Pay for a couple months, then maybe it's not as big of a deal as if, like, you have a family that you're trying to support. So, the amount of risk you're willing to take on is really a personal sort of thing.
1: I'm going to touch upon the uh, severance again. So, you're saying like Amazon, Twitter, they do give uh, severance packages. Was it offered, or did the person have to actually negotiate it?
0: These were offered. So, what I saw, you know, one person for my online research, someone got a month, someone got two months, someone else got four months, and that was what they were offered. But then folks were trying to kind of gauge, you know, kind of compare and see, you know, who got what, and, you know, trying to leverage that to go back and negotiate.
1: Okay, so let's say the offer gets rescinded, and they didn't say anything about severance. What can you do to like, see if you can negotiate at least something? Would you like go to a lawyer? Can you do it on your own? What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yes. so you certainly could go to a lawyer, but you know, honestly, you don't have a lot of legal standing here. So you can certainly show the damages that were done, you know, especially if you had, you know, in the scenario we talked about earlier where you were working at HP, you were making good money, you had a, a secure job, and then you left that to go to Amazon. I mean, certainly there were damages there by taking the Amazon offer and you accepted that in good faith. Now I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know, you know, how you can exactly work that. You know, I understand Amazon was giving this person a month's salary just, again, in good faith. But I mean, I think we both know a month isn't going to make that person whole. And so it's up to the person to kind of think through, you know, what's the amount of money that's going to make me whole here? Is it going to take me four months to find a job? Is it going to take me six months to find a job? You know, especially if I can't go back to my old job. And in some of these cases, folks were just graduating from master's programs and unfortunately their visas are going to be up. And so they have 60 or 90 days to find a new job or else they would have to leave the States. And so that's a whole other, you know, basically changing people's lives over this. So there's a lot of factors at play. The legal part, you, know, you certainly could talk to a lawyer. Again, I don't know what your legal standing is here, but you definitely want to think through what would it take to make you whole?
1: Yeah, I just touched upon the point that I wanted to discuss. So I've seen... As you have seen uh, a lot of uh, LinkedIn posts about how they got their job offer rescinded and they're an international uh, individual and then they have to get a job at a certain amount of period or they have to go back home. Right. So what is your suggestion where they have a job offer at, like Amazon or a big tech company so they're able to like stay in the US and then they get the job offer rescinded and now they're panicking because they only have like 90 days to get a new opportunity or they have to leave. So what's your advice and strategy to like quickly get back on your feet?
0: Yeah, so for those students, so I I saw a number, my alma mater is Carnegie Mellon, and I saw a number of students from Carnegie Mellon in the situation. So if they do happen to be listening, what I would recommend is going back to career services as a start and just explaining the situation that, you know, it's kind of a desperate situation for you to find something. And so maybe you can find a research job at the university in the interim. Maybe you can find, you know, a short-term consulting gig or something like that. While you're trying to figure it all out, but you really, I mean, clearly need to be proactive about, you know, trying to find something, and that's why we saw those folks posting on LinkedIn because they, you know, so clearly needed something, and and you know, I think you've seen too there are tech jobs out there, so it's not, you know, it's not that companies aren't hiring. It may not be exactly what you're looking for, but you know, certainly you want to reach out to your network. You want to reach out to career services. You know, try to make friends with some recruiters on LinkedIn. You know, and really be honest about the situation that you find yourself in. Again, you don't need to hide that information. It's nothing to be embarrassed about, but you want to be definitely proactive about reaching out to folks.
1: So, we've discussed in terms of getting your job offer rescinded, obviously, a loss of income, don't know where to start, and then potentially having to go back to your home country because now you don't have a job. So, your visa is going to expire. What other things should people look out for once their job offer gets rescinded?
0: part of it is just even how you feel emotionally, you know, and these folks were so excited, you know, landing a job at Amazon is a really big deal, you know, and it's going to be hard to match that kind of role. Like you're not, how many Amazons are there, you know, like, so there's only a few big names like that. So I think it's getting, you know, in the mindset that just because this didn't work out for you, it has nothing to do with, your abilities, you know, you shouldn't let it shake your confidence. I know, you know, when I work with my clients who have lost their jobs, a lot of times they take it personally, even though it has nothing to do with their abilities. So, you know, for folks that find themselves in that situation, you did nothing wrong, you know, and again, we're talking about the situations where your offer was rescinded due to no fault of your own. There are times where your offer is rescinded because you didn't, you know, pass the background check all those things. That's a different story. But in this case, really, there's nothing to be ashamed of. So you just have to, you know, go forward and do the best you can.
1: In terms of the background check, I always tell people that a resume is not a legal career document, it's a marketing document. And one of the things that is commonly asked is about job titles. Do you have to have the exact job title in your job when you apply? And the reason why I want to ask this is that different companies have different like tiers in titles, right? So for example, let's say you're a project coordinator, but you're doing responsibilities of a project manager. Or another example would be, let's say you have this like funky title from a startup called like growth marketing. In reality, it's just a marketing manager job. So what's your thoughts on terms of like changing the job title to appease the masses, so to speak? And how to do it so you don't go overboard as if you're actually lying? Because I understand like you can't say you're a director when you've only done a coordinator or specialist position. I get that. And I'm assuming my listeners do as well, but what's the uh, line in terms of like changing the job title to appease the masses?
0: Right? No, that's a great question. So what I typically do for my clients is I really try to spell out the work that they're doing. So sometimes my clients will have the flip where They're in a director role, but maybe they're doing VP work, you know? So in those cases, and really in all cases, you're trying to spell out in the resume what work you're actually doing. And then when you have a funky title like that, you know, you could put in parentheses, you know, maybe like a marketing director rule, but making it clear that you weren't actually a marketing director because you don't want to get caught on that back end that you were trying to present yourself in a way that isn't necessarily true. So, you know, those are great points. You need to be really careful in your resume. It is a marketing document, but when you're giving that to a company, you're saying that this is true. And so if you're talking about getting a degree, you know, let's say, you didn't get your degree, but you just took coursework, you do want to make it clear, like marketing coursework. If it's not a marketing degree, okay, but just be clear about that.
1: All right. And we talked about this like earlier in our conversation about, let's say, you don't pass probation and you end up getting let go. Obviously, layoffs are easier to explain because it's usually no fault of your own. Maybe it's restructuring, maybe it's the company's not doing well financially and they have to let certain team members go. But when it comes to Again, uh, let go after probation is usually a performance related issue. So how d- would someone overcome that part of their career?
0: Yeah. So I really recommend that folks be honest. And, you know, I had a client, you know, not long ago who ran into that situation and she was embarrassed and she didn't know how to handle it. And she'd done a lot of great stuff before. And so, you know, my recommendation to her was just to be honest about what happened to something had happened early on in the probation process she was like go. she's super embarrassed about it but here's her track record in the past and you know i think when you try to hide those sorts of things or you know not own it i think you really want to be honest and you don't want it to come up later on you know for someone to come back to you and say you explained it this way but this is how it really went down you really want to be upfront. And so when I advised my client to be upfront, she did get the new job because she was open and honest and they appreciated her being candid. So my advice to folks is if you find yourself in that situation, not to be embarrassed about it. It does happen. And it happens to a lot of good folks. So don't be embarrassed, but just own it and just say, listen, this is what happened. But here's my track record of, you know, succeeding in the past. And this is how I'm going to solve problems for you.
1: So what are some uh, job search trends that you're seeing that job seekers slash professionals should look out for to ensure that they are drastically improving their odds to getting their next job?
0: You know, clearly, you want to make sure that your LinkedIn profile is updated. And by updated, I mean, that you have the right skills in place, you can put up to 50 skills in audit yourself every six months to make sure that the skills that are in there are the most important skills for the jobs that you're targeting because that's where recruiters are looking for talent. And so even if you are not interested in looking for a job, it's just so smart to make sure that you have your LinkedIn profile updated because you never know what opportunity is going to find you. And I don't think that that's going to change. You know, I'm hearing more about like AI technology in the whole process. I know I've had clients come to me kind of concerned because they have screening with the, you know, one way video. And, and I I get how that would be frustrating because you, you and I are talking right now. So, you know, we're able to connect and you have to really focus to do that technology. And, you know, the client that I was talking with, this is someone who has like interviewed folks for years and has a ton of interviewing experience. And she was like, I did this AI interview and I like, was it a total loss of how to even, you know, go about recording myself or just you know how to interact with the technology and so that's here. And so figuring out how to best navigate that. I'm sure you've seen on LinkedIn, people are talking about having the chatbot, your resume. (laughs) So there's a lot of, you know, those kind of things are, are kind of out there. And I, I do recommend job seekers kind of start to familiarize themselves with technology. Not that you want a chatbot to write your resume, but just to know what's out there as far as technology so that you're not kind of getting lost in the shuffle. Cause that's where it feels like things are going.
1: So your takeaways are obviously have an optimized LinkedIn profile because, again, a lot of recruiters are still looking at candidates through LinkedIn search and then understanding AI and learning how to use it effectively for your own job search or even during the interview process, how companies are using it.
0: Yeah, I just think it's smart practice to understand what's out there right now, and and if you find yourself on the other side, you know, if you're hiring folks, you know, think about how you're approaching that. Like, do you want your first contact with a candidate to be with AI technology? Because folks are really turned off by it, you know. So it's or at least the folks that I'm talking with aren't really happy with how that's going. So that's, you know, the biggest buzz, you know, I mean, there's definitely still jobs out there, you know, I I think we're going to see these layoffs through 2023, you know, especially in the tech space. But, you know, there are definitely still jobs out there, folks should be hopeful, but also be aware that the economy has shifted. And it's not the outlook isn't the same as it was in 2022. You know, when we started in 2022, it was still great resignation. And like, anyone who's looking for a job it felt like like you could find a job in two weeks you know and and now with my clients it's a little bit more of a cautious approach i mean hopeful but it's not the same market as it was in the beginning of the year
1: can you dive deeper into um your market insights in terms of like industries in terms of like let's say maybe if you were turned off by tech right now with all the layoffs what industries should someone look to pursue if they want to pivot their career
0: yeah. So I think, you know, healthcare still seems very strong, you know, and maybe it's not even as much industry as it is. Like, I think for me, I try to focus my clients, maybe not as much on industry and then more on roles and maybe even skills. So, you know, I had a, a client recently who wasn't sure she was a lawyer and now she doesn't want to practice law, but she likes investigation. So for her, you know, maybe consider alternative career paths. So, you know for her i recommend to go into linkedin and type in the keywords investigation and fraud and like the things that you're interested in and so instead of searching based on industry or based on title, maybe search based on keyword and see what comes up. Cause she was like shocked at all these rules that fit her, but weren't necessarily things that she was thinking about. So instead of getting stuck on an industry or a title, maybe like change it up a little bit and think about keywords or the skills that you're interested in using instead.
1: And with that being said, what skills should someone be interested in pursuing? I know like data science has been hot for the past few years. So what are other like technical skills someone would be interested in learning to like up their value in the marketplace?
0: Yeah, I mean, so data science, really any kind of like tech programming, you know, that you can maybe use not in the tech industry, but just in that space. I know supply chain has been folks with that kind of expertise, you know figuring out how to get parts, all of that. If you can do project management in one space, you could probably take that and use it in another space. So in the past, folks have been wanting to use that in tech, but maybe you could take it and use it somewhere else instead.
1: So again, it's all about focusing on, because no one starts from zero. Everybody thinks that when they make a career pivot, they have to start from zero, but there's a lot of transferable skills that you've developed over the years that you're not starting at zero. In fact, that you might be very highly marketable because you have those skills. You're just missing that industry knowledge.
0: That's exactly it.
1: So how about like resume trends? Anything uh, listeners should watch out for or just like make it very simplistic and easy to read?
0: Yeah, so for me, I'm all about simple and easy to read. I'm not much into the crazy formats or fonts or just even, I like quantified results. (laughs) You know, my undergrad is in engineering. So for me, it's all about the numbers and making it clear. For folks that haven't job searched in a while, you know, some of my clients, they have their old resume from 20 years ago. And so you'll have to remind them, please take your home address off. No one needs it. Just city state, that's it. You know, make sure your LinkedIn URL is on there. If you don't know how to personalize it, you know, it really is very simple. And so, you know, you can just go on LinkedIn help or, you know, folks can DM me and I can send them the quick list of instructions to do that. But really kind of showing that you are savvy, you don't have to go nuts to show that you're savvy. You can personalize your LinkedIn URL, you know, little things. Please don't put your picture on your resume. It doesn't need to be there unless it's an acting resume, like little things. I don't think that you need to go crazy on the format. And you want to make sure that those skills that you have in your resume are in LinkedIn so folks can find you.
1: Yeah, I'm assuming you agree, like remove references upon requests, uh, the objective statement, the uh, <laughs> 90s, 2000s of uh, <laughs> sections that are not necessary anymore.
0: Right, exactly.
1: And uh, speaking of the resume and like AI, obviously you... Discussed earlier about uh, chat GPT, I think that's the name of it. Uh, yeah. And then you have all these like content creators teaching people how to like automate writing their resume. So what's your thoughts on that? Do you think it's a good tool to guide them, but you shouldn't like just write an AI resume, and then send it, there's still a need for resume writers, especially good experience ones. Like what's your thoughts on AI and how it will impact careers job search for both the job seeker and the companies?
0: So I'll be curious to see how it goes, you know, and everyone needs something different. So when folks come to a resume writer, sometimes they just need someone to talk to, you know, I mean, often my folks are almost looking for a career therapist, you know, someone to just, they've been through like some tough times and they need someone to talk to. And so I can kind of talk them through that. Yo, can the chat GBT do that? I don't know. You know, maybe they can teach it to do that. But, you know, I've seen the same demos on LinkedIn as you have, where like folks put in certain information and then, you know, the bot comes and it plugs it out. So, I will be curious to see where the industry is in five years, you know, and and maybe the bot can ask the right questions for certain people and help them through that process. You know, for some people that may be enough and that might work for them. And I totally get it. You know, it really just depends on the technology if they're asking the right questions, if they, you know, and I think Max, you know, too, different resume writers and career coaches view things in completely different ways, you know, Sometimes folks will come to me and say, well, I heard from you know, this career coach that, and folks just disagree sometimes on what the right approach is. And so that'll be interesting too, how that all fits together with all of the technology. And I will be curious to see how it all plays out.
1: Yeah, same here. It's definitely an interesting time in the career space. And speaking of careers, a good portion of my listeners are trying to make a career change. And you mentioned earlier that you had your bachelor's in engineering, right? So how did you pivot from like engineering into career coaching?
0: Yeah, so it was steps. (laughs) So my undergrad was engineering. I started with Procter & Gamble and worked as an engineer and production manager and was actually in Canada for several years. And I'm originally from Pittsburgh, decided I wanted to come back home. So I got my MBA. So that was my first step. I got my MBA and then I was an analyst for FedEx. So I did the analyst work. And then I had my first child 17 years ago. And I decided I wanted something more flexible. I had not taken a writing class since high school. and But I always loved to write. And so I started writing about things that I liked. And I was a contributor for The Motley Fool because I, I liked investing. So that was kind of my segue into writing. And at the same time, I started writing resumes, and so ended up getting certified. And I really found that my background in engineering and business prepared me to be a resume writer, because I understood what folks were talking about. So, you know, especially for folks that were in engine, you know, when I was writing resumes for clients who were in business or engineering, you know, I knew what questions to ask, and I knew how to kind of present that information. So, you know, my biggest advice is that It's a step-by-step process. And so, you know, no one starts out in life wanting to be a resume writer or career coach. It's not something that they talk about in high school and say like, hey, you know, why don't you go be a career coach or a resume writer? But for me, it was a step-by-step process. And it's not linear, but you can always take those transferable skills and, you know, branch out. And so, you know, it's really just making a case for yourself and saying, you know, my engineering analysis skills I could use when I was an analyst for FedEx, you know, and then when I'm working with clients, I still work with numbers. You know, I just use that in a different way and I'm still analyzing the information that they put on their resumes. It's just doing it in a different way. So my advice would be for folks that are listening and interested in doing a career change is you're really thinking about what they enjoy doing most and then kind of thinking about how they've succeeded in the past and how to position themselves to, you know, because you're right to be an undergrad in engineering. And then now as a resume writer, you would think, how would you do that? And again, it's a step-by-step, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, but it's possible.
1: Absolutely. And what is some advice that you can give in regards to someone looking for a new job in the new year?
0: If you're looking for a new job in the new year, I would again, recommend you stay hopeful. And, you know, if you're going on LinkedIn, you know, be curious, like follow new companies, you know, reach out to new folks, keep that LinkedIn profile updated because you never know who will find you. I've had a lot of clients have success just having folks find them because they have an updated profile, you know, so it's really just staying hopeful and trying to stay focused, but not like hyper focused. You need to relax a little bit too. And And just, again, try to be open to different opportunities. Maybe you wanted to be in tech, but maybe you're going to have to think about a different industry this time, you know, and be open to that. Be open to changing industries. Be open to maybe using your skills in a different way.
1: And that wraps up our conversation, Colleen, and I want to uh, end our discussion with one last question that I ask all my guests. So as you know, my podcast is about helping professionals overcome common career challenges to take them to the next level. So for you, throughout your extensive career, what was one big career challenge that you had to overcome to get to where you are today?
0: Yeah, so, you know, I would say my biggest thing is confidence. And like, you know, I've had different stages, you know, I have four kids. And so, Sometimes my career has kind of taken a back burner to, you know, raising my kids. And it, I'll be honest, it's hard to come back sometimes and you start to lose a little bit of confidence. And so my advice would be, you know, if you find yourself in that place where maybe you were laid off or maybe, you're not in the job that you want to be in, or just your situation is not where you want it to be, it's to reach out to folks. And if you can't be a cheerleader for yourself, find someone else to be a cheerleader for you, you know, reach out to, oh, I'm happy to be your cheerleader. (laughs) But find a group to kind of cheer you on along the way and not let that drag you down.
1: And how can people uh, find out more about what you do, Colleen, and how you can help them in their career?
0: Yeah, so they can connect with me on LinkedIn. I don't know how many Colleen Paulsons there are on LinkedIn, but if you just put in Colleen Paulson career coach, you'll be able to find me. And you know, I'm happy to connect with folks and answer any questions that they might have.
1: Awesome. Again, I appreciate the time. all right.